0: Welcome to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, your home for everything related to marathon canoe racing. Now, it's time to get your paddles wet with your hosts, Kevin Olson and Bill the Haffy. Take it away, boys.
1: Welcome back to another edition of the podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Kevin Olson. I am joined by Bill Mahaffey here, and we also have uh, Katie Peck here today as our guest. Today, we're going to go over some news in the paddling community, um, followed by our interview with Katie. How are we doing today, Bill?
2: I am doing fantastic, Kevin. Doing fantastic. Glad to be here for episode six of the podcast, Right. first podcast of 2020. We're, we're here. We're into the new year finally, uh, which means we can start counting hours again, right? Because hours? hours yeah, hours don't count if they're before they January count. 1. Nope, don't count.
1: Nope. <laughs> so true it is. It's, it's funny because that's how everyone starts to count is January 1st. And uh, you see all the the Facebook posts of people, you know, getting out on the water and it's just like a lot of year to be had, but I I, I, I would be uh, lying if I said I wasn't, I'm already itching to get out on the water
2: myself. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And it, it is, it, it's kind of funny, January one, but there are a select few that start their account. And this is probably more a Michigan thing than anything else. Like the day after the 120 the day after the asobel and you talk to them and you're like how many hours do you have and they're like yeah i have i have 118 (laughs) hours and you're like 118 hours it's january what is the date today the sixth seventh (laughs) eighth something whatever the date today is
1: today how do you have that many hours
2: yeah yeah, it's crazy
1: It's, it's it's funny too bill if we talk about hours because like uh there are a lot of people that just like, oh, they they'll go out for like an hour and a half, and then they'll just count it as two hours, and it, it, they've been they may have been out on the water for an hour and a half, but they were doing fifteen minutes and it took a two minute break, and you know, and that's something that when we, uh, um, oh yeah, I we track, we I track everything religiously. So like, any of the hours I ever state that I ever do is all like that those are work hours not not rest break hours
2: yeah no so i'm a, am like a, a garmin strava freak right so yeah. my hours are exact to like the minute and that's yeah. that's what it is yeah. and i was actually I, I forget who i was talking to and what year it was what race it it involved but like I even put that in there, like, hey, uh, I'll do X amount of hours, and they're all on Strava verified for review. Because yeah, you're 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 right. We we can do a we can do an entire podcast on hours and the counting hours. Yeah, I got two hours today. Well, okay, but that includes the drive there and the drive back and the time to unload the boat because you really paddled about thirty two minutes.
1: Yep. 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 Yeah. <laughs> yep. So. It's it's Ed, that you know we, maybe we do uh, an episode on that because I've done a I've done a YouTube video on uh, how many hours you need for the Clinton um, discussing this, but um, it's definitely something that could definitely be elaborated further. But um, we'll leave that yeah. to another episode.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely, right on, man.
1: So um, let's get started right into it. The first um, thing that we need to talk about is. We are going to, we are creating something new. Okay. And what this is, is we're going to call it Team Canoe Race World. I have had this idea of um, a team atmosphere for canoe racing for a while now. And so I said, now that we have Canoe Race World up and running, I said, this is the time, let's start it now. So um, the purpose of the team is basically to, establish that team atmosphere where we're going to have a group of paddlers that are working towards a common purpose promoting our sport um, by producing digital content. The hope of this is that we get people to work together um, to reach new levels of performance and to create a community where um, it's a collaborative uh, effort um, to help each other. So it's going to be you know when you're thinking about it think about it like uh, a bicycle uh, race team okay so something in that ty- type of uh, idea because um, uh, they have those all the time but they're still racing for themselves okay so what we're doing is we're looking for racers of all ability levels this isn't I don't want to, this isn't meant to be for just the top-end racers but um, everyone from the top to the bottom um, that you know anyone that's interested in looking in, in uh, being on the team can reach out to me either by my email or through messenger and uh, I'm just gonna talk about what I'm ex- what I'm what we're expecting out of uh, the teammates and what you're gonna get from it so what we expect right. from uh from the the teammates is you know they're gonna they're gonna obviously wear the canoe race world gear at races so um, so you'll be able to recognize a team member because they're gonna have team canoe race world gear on okay and
2: and, and by gear what we mean is those really sweet shirts and hats that everybody wants right
1: yeah, yeah. yep yep and they'll be special so like for the team I'm, I plan on doing special shirts so, um, people that have like multiple sponsors, like Ben Schlimmer is part of the team and he has multiple sponsors. So, we're going to put all of his sponsors on a shirt. So, um, and I have the capability to do that. So, we could do that for uh, any of these athletes that uh, want to be a part of the team. So, it's a good way to get your sponsors out on your shirts and, uh, you know, it has that collaborative uh, effort there, kind of speaking to the, the whole purpose of it. Right. Um, you know and then they're also gonna be um, responsible for providing some content you know and you're gonna be a part of the uh, team bill so you know we already got three of us um, to start this off um, but I do want to grow it a little bit bigger on this first year so this you know the content could be videos it could be articles it could be you know coming onto the podcast um, but just stuff that you know helps us increase that digital footprint that we've been creating that we've been i've been working on since 2015 but really it exploded yeah. it with when, the website
2: when did when did you start the youtube channel that's a good that's a good question
1: yeah i actually i want to say is that 20 i may have started in 2014 so it was either 2014 or 2015 but i know i had it up and running in 2015 because um i did a lot of uh my first Canton review was on a 2015 race. Um, I did a, a General Clinton review, uh, I mean course preview, um, in 2015. And uh, don't don't go back and watch those. Some of those videos <laughs> uh, I've gotten a lot better since then. But um, yeah. but yeah, that's kind of when I started this whole this whole journey. And uh, um, so yeah. I'm I'm liking where it's going. But.
2: I, I love it, man. I I love the idea of a team atmosphere, you know, and, and really an emphasis on all ability levels. Like what what I think you're looking for here is ambassadors for the sport, right? Yeah, uh, exactly. Let's yeah, make that's this a great thing. Word. If you are an ambassador for the sport, right, and you want to help promote the sport, like re- reach out to Kevin. Yeah, you know.
1: And, and so, and, and this, you are going to get some, get some stuff for this. Okay. So um, we're going to be, you're obviously going to be getting some free gear, uh, you know, boat stickers and, you know, uh, apparel um, to be wearing, to sport your, that you are um, on the, the team. And then uh, over um my hope is to get you guys to test out some new and different equipment. So um, like I have uh, a couple of GPS units that um, I know no one's really ever tried out except myself, I've written about them and stuff. So I'll probably, I'll probably be sending those to different teammates to do their own reviews on and uh, hopefully we can line up some more supporters of Canoe Race World um, on a sponsorship side to, um, help do some testing and stuff like that. And then we're also going to do paid bonuses for, um, race performances. Um, and this will be based on your goals. So with the whole point being, it's not, it's not about where you place, but I want you to strive to be better. So right. I want you to put a goal out that you think's attainable. And if we both agree on it, that's an attainable goal. And if you hit that goal, I want to reward you. Yeah, so, right. Um and and you know that and then you know if you if you go above and beyond, you know, producing content for for the site and everything, we we could definitely talk about, you know, um bonuses for for that too. So, I think it'll be a good opportunity bill for the people like you said that want to be ambassadors for the sport and they want to grow their presence. So, um so yeah, so if you guys are interested Hit me up on Messenger or uh, um, email. Email is right on the website, um, and yeah, so that's that. So let's get into the next um, important news to discuss, and this is a stock class. So, um, I think we've talked about stock class before on the podcast. Did we? You remember? Yeah, Bill?
2: we've we've hit on it we've hit on it briefly at at different points, um, through different conversations. Right. And the, and the stock class is kind of a free for all right now, you know, in that it's so wide and varied that it's almost impossible to design a spec that includes all stock boats. So yeah, yeah.
1: that's, um, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's very hard to create the, and so we're, 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 what's happening with the stock class right now is basically um, the USCA has been um, toying with actually eliminating the stock class from nationals. Um, it, their whole point is that they don't feel like it's, it gets enough, um, uh, there's enough participation and because they're having issues with jigging boats at nationals, so when you go to nationals, you have to jig your boat um, to receive your awards or whatnot. So um, the whole premise of the stock class, though, is really not to be a race boat. So jigging them doesn't really in, fall in line with what the idea of the stock boat is. Okay, so
2: yeah, the the. The intent of the class is not to limit or exclude the intent of stock class is to, to give people a chance to race that, you know, that boat that they have. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's meant, you know, for people that have touring canoes, it's really, you know, touring and wreck canoes. Um, it's it's meant for them to have a place where they can paddle against like craft. And uh, not get blown out of the water because their boat's a slower boat. Okay, so yeah. um, you see this a lot in the Adirondacks uh, because of the Adirondack ninety miler for one, but also because a lot of the people in the Adirondacks have these boats because they're great for stability and for again touring and tripping. You know, so if it's a a tripping boat, that's a stock boat. Um, so the USCA has come to us as the New York Paddle Sports Racing Association because we're the, um, the one racing association that really has uh, a big uh, contingent of stock boats because of the Adirondacks. And right. so they've come to us to help them decide what the, um, what the, the, the fate of the stock class is. So, I think that's interesting. Um, We've been going, the board has been going back and forth uh, talking about it. I think we have a consensus now Um, and uh, I think it's going to be a little different than what you what you're expecting. So uh, I don't think that we're gonna be uh, publishing a a clear spec for the class. So it's going to be more like um, you have to apply to um, Get a new design and on an approved list. Um, So that way we can, um, as a com, we'll we'll have a committee that is uh, devoted to this. um, So that way we can keep the intentions of the stock class um, living, um, but it can't grow. The fear is so we've been talking with, you know, like Diller and Newman. Um, and the fear that they have is if you throw out a definitive spec that people will make racing boats designed around the spec and not around the idea of the stock class. So,
2: yeah, the, and and I think that the, I think that's a very real fear. Um, I, I think Bruce, had a might have been with Saul, but I don't know I don't know for sure on this. Don't quote me. But at the the River Cross, uh the Muskoka, the MRX there, they had a new Diller design and I don't know how it did, but it was it was specifically designed, you know, just for that race. So yeah, what what happens? It's good that those guys are cognizant of that.
1: Yeah. Yep, So and and so that's why we've kind of uh, come to this uh, agreement. So it's not going to be hard to get a boat approved if it is a legitimate stock boat, and it's not on the list. We're going to try to make it as as comprehensive of a list as possible Um, because we don't want to um, turn people away. That's the last thing that we want to do with this. Um, But it's right now it's just the best way to um, keep the – Keep the ideal of what the stock class is um, uh, under wraps. So now,
2: is there but, is there any is there any talk real quick before we move on to the next topic? Is there any talk real quick of uh, defining or laying out some different groundwork as far as C one stock?
1: Um, yeah. So it's both C two and C one stock that 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 okay. it is. So. Um, right on. you know, so we should, um, uh, you should be seeing that list coming up because the USCA meetings this week and they're going to be deciding on this type of stuff then. So, um, so yeah, so there, so it will be C2 and C1 and you can check gotcha. out, right um, diaper.org if you want to check out the specs right now, it's the current specs on it on the website. Um, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah, if uh, once I once I get to go with the full list, I'll I'll update that site to have have those. So let's uh, let's uh, move on to the next thing. So
2: we have a new contributor. Yeah, so Bill. we're gonna have a, a new contributor. Yeah, new contributor. Uh, Jeremy Vore, um, recent winner of the MR three uh, forty, kind of made a splash on the Michigan Canoe Racing Circuit. Uh, showed up with Tom Cannon at the Muskegon River Throwdown. Um, all around good guy, great paddler, um, longtime paddler, very active in the, the kayaking world. Um, looking forward to some of his ultra marathon um, contributions, right? They, this is a guy that goes further than one hundred and twenty miles, right? The MR three hundred and forty is a real deal, and and him and Landic did incredible in that thing this year. Yeah, so. and, they,
1: and and in some pretty crazy, um, uh, crazy conditions. So
0: um, oh, yeah,
1: basically what happened is I saw I I read his like uh, you know review of it that he posted on Facebook, and I'm like, yeah, there, we have a better venue for him to post these things. So I reached out to him and said, hey, you wanna you want to write for the site? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah. So i yeah, so, uh, pretty excited awesome. to have that edition. Yeah. So um, moving along, uh, there's something that, you know, we haven't seen anything new coming out of the Zavril uh, uh, racing equipment um, seen in a while. Now, uh, Zavril, uh, they, they support the, the show, so I ask you to support them. And uh, just the other day, we posted if you guys have seen that they have introduced a pink braided shaft to their lineup. I think this is a
2: pretty, pretty sharp looking uh shaft. What do you think, Bill? I I do too. Uh really cool looking. Um I like the way that it pops it uh I'm a neon guy um, yeah. as you well know by the neon bandit like that's my gig uh, so stuff like that that's that's cool and I'm great to see Zav like reaching out and doing this um I'm curious uh, I'm sure he'll probably expand that out to some different colors stuff like that but yeah the the pink uh, really pops that, that looks good.
1: Hey, hey, if they go, if they go orange, man,
2: that's,
1: that's my, that's my jam. That's the canoe race world color. That's your jam, right? Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Yep. That's
2: your jam. Sure.
1: So, um, yeah, so that's cool. So, um, I bet you you'll be seeing some of those out on the, on the water this year. So, um, if you're looking for a pink, for a pink, uh, shaft, uh, go to Zavril. So, um, another, uh, another thing that I got on the horizon that I'm working on right now is, uh. Um, I've teamed up with uh, Llama Racks. They make uh, custom um, racks for your canoes for transport. Okay, so basically they go right, they go on top of uh, cross standard crossbars that you have, okay. and uh, they're adjustable. They're eight feet long. So what the what it does is it increases the spread of your um, crossbars. Like if you have them on a car or whatnot. And for me, it, on my truck, it extends it over the cab, so it's not over the back, you know. So it, it centers the boat a little bit more. But there, it's an eight foot uh, two uh, aluminum it. tube with ends that are removable. So when you're not st- transporting your canoe, you take the ends off. And it's really high build quality. Um, I've just put it together and just uh, sized it up. I just needed to get. Uh, a different uh, pair of bolts because um, I have a ladder rack that's the crossbars are a lot bigger than um, a traditional uh, crossbar system so mine it was all like just short by like an eighth of an inch so I had to go get longer bolts and it's just been crazy weather out here so I haven't been able to get it on so once I'm able to get it on my truck I will be uh, doing a whole video on it um, because I think it's pretty cool I think that um, I, 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 there's not many, not many people have something like this, so I think it's interesting to, uh, bring it to the community. So be on the lookout yeah, for that. It,
2: it, and it, it sounds a lot more oriented towards what we do, right? Uh, n- nothing against Thule, Yakima, anything like that. Uh, mm-hmm. but with that, with that stuff, we're using universal racks and kind of making them work and, yeah. Um, the llama yeah. rack, I think is a good application for what we do.
1: Yeah, it's definitely, it's designed like this. Um, uh, so this guy's, uh, I think he was on the support crew for Jeremy. So he, yeah, he does ultra distance racing too. So like, that's his big thing. And basically he started creating right. these for surf skis and stuff and, and he created one for his canoe and then he, um, he got so much uh interest in it in the ultra distance world that he just started a company and uh that's how he started so um but yeah that's great so so i will be bringing to you guys more of that content later so and
2: i hear you got a watch bill you got a new watch i did i i got a new watch like it, it and i'm actually putting together a blog post for the website right now. Like you know, all my new little toys. I'm yeah. Um, I finally got a watch and to be honest with you, I feel like I'm cheating on my forerunner 910 XT because it still works so good. But yeah, I got a Garmin Phoenix five X, um, really looking forward to, to getting it out and playing with it. Like here, here's where we're at. And we had this conversation with Ben, um, Like we're in that world of metrics, and and you're a big numbers guy. Like, but then you get talking to Ben and you're talking like stroke stroke length, and stroke rate, and things like this. And the newer watches do so much more from an analytical aspect. That I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm pumped, man.
1: Oh yeah, I, uh, I got uh, the Vivo Active Four for Christmas, so uh i'm pumped about that so i had the vivo active hr and then uh so i got i got i got the newer
2: iteration and uh um i love it i love it so you wear is that your
1: daily driver now
2: so, so that that's gonna be my daily driver i have not worn a watch like an actual watch watch as a daily driver in i don't know half a decade maybe longer um you know, everybody carries a smartphone. That's that's how you tell time. Yada yada yada. Uh, the 910 XT does not like. It's an incredible training tool, but it doesn't tell time. Um, and yeah, it's strictly just a training tool.
1: Yeah, I, it was I before. Just, it was before that switch over from yes. just yep. a training watch to to smartwatch with you know training. You know, in the Phoenix, the Phoenix series, man, you got a good watch there. That is, yeah. Um, you're gonna definitely like that.
2: So, yeah, yeah. And you, and you
1: got a, a new bike too. So, you oh
2: yeah, new, <laughs> new, to, new torture device. It's a, right? it's like Gear Central around here right now. It's going crazy. So that'll be in the article as well.
1: All right. So let's let's move on. But uh, before we get into the interview, I would like to take a quick moment. To talk about one of our sponsors. Paddle Sport Risk Management. Larry and Maria LaCourie are the principals of this outfit. They have been insuring Paddle Sport longer than anyone. Larry actually insured his first canoe race in nineteen eighty, which is seven years before I was
2: born.
0: <laughs> so I'm gonna date you know myself. It.
2: That's 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 when I was I was born in nineteen eighty. Like I raise his hand. <laughs> I'll be forty this year, guilty.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So uh, Larry and Maria are also paddlers, so they know what's what in paddle sport. Larry has been a marathon paddler for 40 years. Probably many of you know him um, in the marathon scene. He, um, he's done outrigger. He's also done whitewater kayak. And he's even raced dragon boats. Um, he was the USCA president for four years, and he was, on the, he was the NIMCA director for close to 10 years. And he even started his own paddling club. Maria's raced Outrigger and Dragon Boat both here and in Hong Kong. So paddle sport risk management's rates are just about as lowest as you'll see in the country. They insure more races and clubs than any other insurance firm out there. What they do is they insure events, clubs, associations, clinics, non-water demos. Well, of so the biggest race you actually um, go to are insured by them. So we ask that you please check them out, go to their website paddlesportriskmanagement.com or they do have a Facebook page.
2: Yeah. So yeah. Yep. R- really <laughs> exciting to have them on board with us. Um, Larry has been around forever with his with his business and you know and his activities just in paddle sports as well. We we talk about ambassadors to the sport of paddling. That that's a great ambassador, right? Yep, yeah.
1: for sure. So, um, and at this point we are going to bring on Katie.
0: Hello. Hey. Hello. hey.
1: <laughs> Sorry. Our ramblings uh, took a little bit longer than we expected, Katie.
0: Gosh, you guys talk so much.
1: Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> we should probably just do more, more, uh, more episodes.
0: <laughs> yeah, maybe, but whatever. <laughs>
1: So, all right. So, um, for those of you that don't know, Katie Pack is the this year's Chattajack OC One Women's Champion, and uh, we thought that uh, we'd bring her on to the show because she's gonna she has a great perspective because she comes from a dragon boat and outrigger canoe background, and uh, we're gonna talk a little bit about. The um, combination and bringing these two, these all these paddling disciplines together. So, how are we doing today, Katie?
0: Great. Uh, you know, it's report writing season and school, so my fingertips kind of hurt from all this typing. You know, I'm trying to balance that with all the paddling, you know, counting hours like you guys were talking about. I'm very sad about still needing to wear a dry suit and yeah, just trying to get those hours in.
1: Okay, nice. So, uh, give us a little background on yourself, Katie. Where? Um, tell us how you uh, learned about marathon paddling and, and just your your paddling background in general.
0: Yeah. So I started paddling when I was twelve years old, um, dragon boat on a community team in Philadelphia, um, and it was a team made up of all Chinese transracial adoptees. So um, you know, we're adopted from China and. A lot of us were seeking out ways to connect with our Chinese culture, and we did so through Dragon Boat. Um, so, after two years of being on that team, I joined the Philadelphia Dragon Boat Association's youth team. Um, this was in 2009. Um, and from there, my paddling career has just kind of uh, evolved a lot. Um, I've gone to several world dragon boat championships, the most recent one being this summer in Thailand. Um, and then to support my Dragon Boat paddling and um, general paddling, um, I branched out to doing Small Boats and Outrigger, OC6 and OC1. Um, and then from there, I started to do Marathon. Wow, when? Uh... That's, yeah. Go on, Bill.
2: Well, I was going to say, like, my original thought was, hey, should we just nickname her Triple Threat? But there was a lot of, like, yeah, you've did a lot of paddling and a lot of different rigs.
0: Yeah, so I calculated this a couple years ago. I've been paddling for, like, over half of my life, which is crazy to think about. Like, I'm only 25, but not to say, like, you know, how many years. Like, 13 years is a long time, but paddling has really just been a huge part of my life, and I'm really happy to have it in my life.
1: That's awesome. Right right on. Yeah. Um, When, about when did you start doing marathon?
0: Yeah, so um in 2016, someone that I knew from Dragon Boat who also paddled with Wanda Canoe Club got really badly injured and she had committed to this race in Pennsylvania, the Philadelphia Canoe Club Fall Classic. Um and she said that I should try Marathon um, with the person that was her partner. Um this was Betsy Ray, she's also a young paddler in the scene. Um, and so the first time I ever got into a marathon canoe, it was a pro boat, um, was in this race with Betsy and, nice. um, we managed to finish this race with only like a minor scrape to one of the sides of the boat. Um, and we didn't flip. So I would call that a success. Anyway. Hey, that,
2: that's a victory, right? Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. So the following year, 2017, I didn't really paddle marathon that much. Um, uh, and that was the year that I moved to New York city and so. New York City is really close to Wanda and um, that's where I started to paddle more and the people there mostly were doing marathon at the time so that's where I really um, started to learn more about marathon and um, that winter I committed to doing the 2018 Clinton. Nice
1: nice yeah that's um, yeah it's 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 interesting how people get matched up, and I, we're gonna we're gonna dive into um, this uh, Wanda Canoe Club a little bit because that's something that you don't get. I don't know if it's because you guys are in New York City, but um, like upstate New York, we don't have a single club in upstate New York presently that I know of that's still that's still active. Um, they used to be back in the day, but not anymore. But um, Before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about the crossover benefits of the different paddling disciplines, because it's got to it's got to they got to have some crossover. We talked about this with uh, Ben a little bit, but I'd like to hear your uh, input on uh, what are what are some of the benefits of doing all the disciplines and uh, and how do they make you a better paddler?
0: Yeah, um, and just to preface this, I'm no by no means an expert on anything, but so I'm just sharing my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but by starting by 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 starting drag with dragon boat, I feel like dragon boat is the easiest of the three sports: dragon boat, outrigger, and marathon. It's the easiest one to get into, um, and to learn the paddling mechanic because you're just like literally one person out of 20 people and you're there to just learn paddling mechanics and you don't have to worry about like flipping or anything and then with outrigger um, you need to really start to learn how to balance yourself especially in an oc1 like if you lean too hard on the right while you're in the water um and it's also really good for learning paddling mechanics on both sides especially coming from a dragon boat background you usually paddle on one side but outrigger requires you to switch um And it's usually a longer and slower stroke, so you can really, really focus on that good technique, um, especially you have to when you're paddling in choppy water. Um, And then with marathon, um, I found it's a slightly higher stroke rate than outrigger, and you go for longer um, distance-wise. You need balance, um, and you need really good boat feel. And that stuff just takes time and skill. um, And it's really different compared to outrigger and dragon boat. and yeah, I feel like that's like the highest tier because it's so skill heavy.
1: I'm gonna ask you a kind of off cuff question here. Out um, of because really, you have so such a diverse background um, in these, whereas and Ben's mostly a marathoner and he dabbles in the with he dab, you know, he went and did the dragon boat a couple times and stuff. Um, but that's definitely not like where he got started. Where where is it? Where right. where that, that, that's where you got not started. Quite
2: his jam, right? Yeah. Yep
1: um where so i'm sure you've seen probably the most diversity in athletes because you've been so you know so spread with your um uh paddling experience who do you think has the best athletes out of all uh, out of those three disciplines
2: oh he's putting her on the spot here we go (laughs) that's
0: a really hard thing to say because i feel like you can't it, I, there's no right answer to this one um and mm-hmm. it's not, not just like from trying to be pc um but just given geographically marathon is very concentrated in new york and michigan and canada and then outrigger is very concentrated in hawaii and ca- uh california where they don't really do marathon it's really hard to s- compare
1: yeah you know what i'm saying yeah
0: Um, I've met a lot of really, really strong outrigger paddlers that maybe haven't done marathon ever before, but if they got into a marathon canoe and like learned how to do it, they'd be, um, cream of the crop marathon and same thing with marathon. Like if you put a top marathon paddler in this big outrigger race, they'll probably still do really well because they're a good athlete. So I feel like my answer is, it's just hard to say. And then with Dragon Boat, um, just from my experience and knowing people is that um, most top tier Dragon Boat people, like people on the Premier Mixed and Women's and Open teams, they don't do just Dragon Boat. They have to cross train in either Outrigger or Marathon um, to get better. They can't do just Dragon Boat and expect to be really up there with everyone else. Yeah, that's, that's a...
1: That's a, good, that's a good perspective on it. Yeah, I've always wondered that because that's um, – so if you go out um, – because you're doing the marathon this year from what we've
2: heard. Um, yeah, is that can, – can we, can we talk about that? Like, can we confirm yeah. or deny that? Yeah. Yep. We can talk about that.
1: But I want to I wanna ask this – I want to tell her one quick thing, though. So, mm-hmm. like, um, the week of the marathon, they do this dash for cash. So it's on, like, Tuesday, I think, and it's basically a couple hundred-yard sprint, the last, you know, 300 yards um, of the actual uh, course, and it's a bracket-style race. And the thing is, is Andy Trebold wins the, the, the long race, and he wins the short race. It's, like, one of those things that it usually – canoe racing is one of those, one of those uh, sports that I feel like – Even if you're a really good marathoner, you could still be a really good sprinter.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I feel like that's especially true. I mean, so not to like toot my own horn, but um, when I did my mixed time trial in OC1, um, it's 750 meters on a narrow little canal and you're in an outrigger canoe at OC1. And I pulled a really fast time. Um, I broke four minutes, which is, I'm not going to say, like, unusual. I mean, I don't know. I guess it is unusual. But it's a really fast time. And mm-hmm. then, you know, I can also do, like, the Clinton and, like, race it. Um, and I'm going to do the marathon, hopefully, and, you know, finish it. Um, but I don't know. I feel like it just speaks to the caliber of the athlete being able to go both ways, like, doing the endurance and the sprint.
2: Yeah,
1: now w- w- since we've since we brought it up,
0: let's talk about it, Bill. Let's
1: talk about the marathon. I know it's your favorite, yeah. so let's, I'll let you let's take it us let's over. go
2: there. It, it 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 is my favorite. Like, let's we're gonna jump ahead a little bit. Um, uh, so fill us in. Um,
0: They're yeah, coming, so right? I'm just gonna ask I, the question
2: yeah, and lay it I out.
0: There. I plan to. I mean, unless something happens, I hope to be there. Um, yeah, I'm going to do it with Jeff DeFeo. It'll be my very first, like, giant triple crown race that I'll be pedaling um, Stern for. Um, I'm terrified, to be honest.
2: Uh, um, well, you, but you, you, you have probably the best, um, if not the best first timer mentor out there in Jeff. I don't know how many first timers he's taken now. Uh, but he does a an lot. amazing job with it uh, a lot, yeah. right? Uh, my, yeah. my, my, my daughter is, um, uh, 13. So not this year, she'll be 14, like days before the marathon this year. She wants to go at 15, like, and, but for the fact that she wants to go with me, like if I had to hand her off, if something happened to me and I couldn't take my daughter at 15, 16 years old, I'd send her with Jeff, Right. That's that's incredible. Yeah,
0: I, yeah that's awesome. I trained with him last year yes. in Florida uh, for about a week, and he's just great. He's patient, like he taught me a lot about steering. Um, and you know, I feel like you need a very calm, patient mentor for a big race like that. And I'm really looking forward to paddling the race with him. I think it's going to be really great.
2: Yeah. No, I'm I'm looking looking forward to seeing how you do and everything. Um, now, do you you know you did spikes this year? Um, how, how do you feel coming out of spikes and the C one race going into the marathon?
0: So I felt amazing with the C one race. It was my that that race, the Spike C one race, um, was actually my first C one race ever. Okay, and I was like terrified for that. Um, but I ended up doing um, pretty well. I mean, I, like, didn't fall out. Uh, I, thought, I thought that I paddled really hard the whole time and was less cautious than usual with my steering, which, like, you kind of need to do when you're racing. Um, and I came in fourth, and, like, while I wouldn't have podium necessarily, I just thought that was a really good finish for me. Um, and then I also did um, the Spikes Challenge, in C2, and I thought it was a really great opportunity to, uh, get my feet wet in paddling stern on, on the ensemble Um, so I feel like I could give the marathon a shot.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah.
1: It's a crazy race. It's a crazy race. So it's, uh, now now you'll have to learn how to paddle at night though that's that's one of the big that's one of the big things that yeah i'm gonna have to go
0: outside of new york to do that because like in the city there's so many lights i have to go somewhere (laughs) really dark
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah so so what like what what inspired you to want to take the a river canoe marathon on
0: I mean, it, you always hear about it as part of the Triple Crown, and it's like if you're, you're going to do the Journal Clinton, you might as well try out the other Triple Crown races too. Um, and I feel like I've heard so many good things about it, like from Jeff um, and from other friends that I know that have done it before, and they always say it's like the most amazing thing. Like, Katie, you have to go do it. Um, it's the best week ever. So. Just from all the positive things I've heard from my people in the community, um, it's definitely something that I want to do now.
2: Yeah, that's right right on. Um, Any, you know, I I assume like the usual number, like anything special as far as, you know, this year with Jeff? um...
0: Yeah, it's the usual number, um, 47, and we will still be paddling in honor of Doug Dixon.
2: Right on. That's that's great, man. What a yeah, good good cause, good story. Um,
1: Yeah, yeah, that's nice. So, all right, let's. uh, Now we got that out of the way. We wanted to know who you were paddling with. That was uh, that was first and foremost.
0: Um, Oh right, yeah, because I wouldn't tell you.
2: (laughs) Yeah, you wouldn't tell me.
0: Yeah. Well, now everyone knows.
2: Now Now everyone knows. Now everyone knows. Well, I I kept seeing things on like social media, and I was like, is she? Is she right. yeah. like yeah, yeah I, I, I like Jeff, right? So uh the the first year that I got into this, um I actually fed for Jeff in 20, I'd have to think 2014, um to, to Mayo. Uh, and there, there's a whole backstory. It's a it's a, it's a different story there. But yeah, I fed for Jeff in 14 with Emily. I think she was Johnson in 14. She's married now. Um yeah, yeah, cool. All right, we can get back to, like, the itinerary and everything. Sorry for the little sidebar. It's all good.
1: It's all good. Um, So let's – I want to talk about – because you brought this up, uh, Katie, and I think it was a great topic to discuss, and it's the barrier of entry. It's something that I've talked about a lot um, to anyone that will listen. I think that (laughs) Marathon has a, a steep barrier of entry, I think that's one of the things that holds our sport back and uh, I I want your perspective tell us a little bit what your perspective is on the barrier of entry and comparing it marathon to the other um, disciplines
0: yeah I 100% agree with your statement Um, it's so high for marathon and it's you're right it's why the sport isn't growing as fast as other paddle sports uh, part of it has to do with people you only usually train in a marathon canoe with one other person or by yourself um, and it's not a team necessarily um, as it is with outrigger and dragon boat you usually take go paddle and practice with other people whereas with marathon you have to find someone who knows what they're doing um, to really get you into it um, and you you know i could see a beginner getting really discouraged by marathon because you have to know you have to be taught um, or else it's really hard Um, and then regarding equipment, um, you need a boat too, and that's a big investment. Um, and it's a lot of money to shell out for something that you don't know if you're going to like. Um, whereas with dragon boat and marathon, you usually just need yourself and a paddle and a PFD. Um, so that's much less equipment and it's much less expensive for people. Yeah. Um, and then just regards to getting people proficient at it. The sports um, marathons usually one to one teaching, whereas with Outrigger and Dragon Boat, OC6, you can have one person teach a boat um, of people, so you'd have one person teaching five people, and then in Dragon Boat, you can have one person teaching 20 people, so that's obviously gonna have marathon or that's obviously gonna have Dragon Boat and Outrigger grow a lot faster than marathon. Um, and like I was saying earlier, marathon is just way more technical, so someone could easily give up because it's so it's so hard yeah
1: Yeah. um
0: and then location too um it's really hard for me to go uh, practice marathon (laughs) in the city whereas you can do outrigger and dragon boat in the city um example i grew up in philly there's the schuylkill river and it's relatively flat um so it's easy for outrigger and dragon boat and sometimes marathon um, but then new york city is a different story you have the flushing marina where the dragon boat people practice and then you have the hudson where the outrigger people practice and they're both very choppy and really bad for marathon canoe um so you have to leave the city which is what i do and if you don't have access to a car or easy um, public transportation you're just like not going to do it
2: yeah yeah, that's yeah. you know that that's really something that I guess I never thought about was the location has an impact as to what you paddle on or what you paddle in, I guess. Me back up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's where you go to Grayling and you don't see any dragon boaters in Grayling. Uh, <laughs> I
0: can't imagine taking, taking a dragon boat down the Ossole, that would be a show.
2: <laughs> yeah, that that would um I you know that yeah, that would not go well, right? Like, and they've tried the last I don't know how many years to bring Rebasca here. There is a Rebasca, somebody in the community has one. Um, and I think Danny Gary, maybe Gary Oil on the Ascota end of the river has one. But they they've never really taken off here. Like it's not like it it just doesn't I don't want to say that it doesn't work, but it definitely looks a little bit out of place on the ensemble
1: Yeah, for sure. So, but um, that kind of that kind of segues into the next uh thing is that you know you're you're a part of Wanda Canoe Club, correct? Yeah. And uh, this is, it, it interests me because there's like I like I was saying earlier is that there's not you know. Uh, there's not that many clubs out there. So can you tell us a little bit about Wanda and, uh, and and what they're all about?
0: Sure. So Wanda is a really, really small club based in Ridgefield Park, New Jersey, which is just over the George Washington Bridge. Um, and it's mostly just a group of people that love to paddle and happen to own a bunch of boats. Uh, we have OC2s, OC1s. Um, we currently have a C4, but that is being sold. So if you're in the market for a C4, um, <laughs> let me know. I can connect you. Um, we also have a bunch of... Uh, Boo! And- yeah, <laughs> Bill.
2: Yeah, I do driving
0: it out to Michigan. Not me. Uh, yeah, but we do have a combination of Outrigger and Marathon boats and people that are enthusiastic about paddling. Um, and yeah, and like you were saying, Kevin, you don't really see the club model in marathon um but I think it just happens to work for us because we need the storage we're right on the Hackensack River and it's a good river to train on um yeah
2: how, how does it so, so how does the club model like let's talk about this for a minute how does it actually work is there like membership dues and like club owned boats and you, you just kind of like sign them out or explain please
0: um so it's run like other paddling clubs we do charge membership fees um we have a board of governors which i happen to be on um and we also uh, charge a storage fee if you own a boat and store it in um our facility okay um and we do have a handful of club boats and i'm really glad that we have them because that's where i practiced for my very first clinton i used one of our club boats Um, And you don't really have to plan it out. Um, Since it's such a small community, we just say, hey, this Saturday, like, Betsy and I are using the Club C2 or something like that. Um, And we don't really have formal practices either. Um, And since the Hackensack is a tidal river, we have to plan it based on um, the tide. So we usually just, like, send a message out and say, hey, um, tide is such and such. So we're going to launch at this time and paddle for this long. Feel free to join or whatever. Okay. Yeah, and then another thing that um, our having a club is great for is when you need to run a race and you need volunteers and people to organize it throughout a year. Um, this upcoming year, in, on October 3rd, 2020, we will be having our fifth hack race. Um, so come on out if you want some fall paddling fun uh, and some cool socks. Uh, we'd love to see more marathoners.
2: Uh you you might have you might have like caught me at socks, right? Did you say cool socks?
0: Yo, they are wool socks. They have our club logo on it and our mascot. That's the other great thing about having a club. You can have a mascot. Um our mascot is a loon, so there's loon feet on the bottom and they're great socks. Come for the socks.
2: Kevin, we need socks and we need a mascot, man. Put put somebody on this right away. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, I'll put the
2: R&D team on it. <laughs> yeah, we may have to make a trip out to the East Coast. Yeah. You should. All We'd right.
0: love to have you. We'd gladly host you and uh, let you borrow something.
1: Oh, it's it's yes. decided
2: then, I think, Bill, You're coming out. Yeah. I- I have never, I have never been in an outrigger canoe. Like I, um, yeah, no, they they kind of scare me, but then I'm kind of like, I really want to try it. Like, well, you know what? Maybe you'll this is like an me. exploration phase.
0: Yeah, you'll be like me in that Philadelphia Fall Classic race, where I, the first time I got into a marathon canoe was in the race. This will be you at the 2020 hack race. The first time you're in an outrigger canoe is the hack race. You heard
1: it here <laughs> first, folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, all right now that we uh um let's uh let's move on let's uh we uh don't want to keep everyone too long tonight so um let's talk about Chatterjack. so uh tell us a little bit about Chatterjack, katie and uh and tell us about your race and how it went and uh all that good stuff
0: yeah, so Chattajack is in, it starts in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and this is the eighth year that it's been held. It's 31 miles down the Tennessee River Gorge, which is gorgeous, if I do say my, so myself. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Pun intended? Um,
0: uh, absolutely um it's a pretty wide river and it's pretty deep and it's scenic it does get a little repetitive but you know you're really just out there because it's the end of the season it's always at the end of october and you're there to show that you can still do distance races um this year the weather was okay in the past it's been really bad like in 2017 the temperature dropped significantly and it dropped below freezing and people dropped out and got hypothermic which was terrible um but the big thing this year was that um there were gusts up to 31 miles per hour which caused some downwind conditions at points um and some really bad headwind um so i feel like this year for the race um i trained a lot for it because i'd been training for dragon boat worlds um, and then I had to kind of balance you know that sprint being ready for sprints versus being ready to do distance so that was really challenging for me um, right. but um, in 2018 the first time I did it I missed the podium by four seconds and I was pissed so I went in <laughs> like you know Ouch. I'm gonna train so much harder this year and you know what if I don't podium that's okay but I just need to do you know feel better about the race Um, so I feel like with races like this, a lot of it's just who shows up and who didn't show up. Um, and like the Thursday before the race, um, I noticed that the person that had won the category last year switched classes to surf ski. So that was like my first, like the first little bell that went off. I was like, Oh, I might have a chance at podium getting on the podium now that this person definitely won't be on it. Um, so I decided to come up with a race plan, um, and I stuck to it, and I had a pretty much perfect race for me, which was my perfect race, great enough to get first. Um, and the, the person that was in second said she didn't see me the whole time, so there was a decent amount of distance between us, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, so and then- were, you
2: weren't just in first, the the triple threat dominated i guess yeah
0: um and then i remember the whole time i was looking up for other women and then like there's a straightaway away where you see the finish which is this um dam it's called the hell's bar dam um i looked ahead and i saw a person in an outrigger um wearing what i thought was pink at the time and i was like no there's been a woman in front of me this whole time and i've been so close if i just like pushed myself a little harder And then, like, the more that I stared at what I thought was this woman, I was like, wait a second. That's actually my guy friend. So I'm good. (laughs) And it turns out, like, when I crossed the finish line, it was him. And then um, Wardell, my boyfriend, he also paddles. Um, uh, He also finished, like, very, like, right around when I did. He was only a minute and 45 seconds in front of me. So, you know, that's cool, too. Um, uh, and then the really cool. fun part uh, wow. that I'm glad the organizers do is there's this really long dock that's like the last 300 yards of the race. And they have okay. a timing chip at the beginning of the dock, a timing chip at the end, which is like the end of the race. The beginning chip times when you cross it, and then the ending chip times when you, uh, you cross the end. And you have to sprint okay. from the beginning of the dock to the end of the dock, and there's an extra reward. So it's like after these thirty-one miles, the last three hundred yards, you have to paddle as hard as you can.
2: <laughs> That's funny. might Minor details, right? You don't. Know, yeah, it's not that hard.
0: Yeah, but, and it's not that hard at all. And but, there's only a hat on the line. Imagine,
1: imagine doing that after one hundred and twenty miles, though. Uh, and, cruel and 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 unusual and
0: usual punishment. And,
1: well, that look go back. You got to go back and look at some of the recent finishes, like uh, the Chris Pro finishes, all within a second. So yeah, uh,
2: Chris and Ryan versus Andy and Jacob. Um uh, it's the most recent, right? Yeah.
1: No, no. Well, was that the what? was that the first year they won? No, because he yeah. he won it the next year.
2: Yeah, that that was his first year, year. The next year he won it with Sam, right? And that was a close one too.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a sprint finish to the end too. So
2: Oh man, and then you can go back uh mid mid two thousands, we saw Surge and Jeff versus Andy oh. and Matthew. Like that that was legendary. That, yeah, that was, it was. yeah. Um no the Chatterjack, that that is pretty awesome. So you got you had your perfect race. Um had an incredible time, must have been feeling Pretty spunky at the end because it sounds like you ended up with the hat. Yes, I no? did
0: end up with the hat. Yeah. That's, there's a whole story behind that, too. Um, okay. It was so windy, the chips were messed up. So a couple of people's times just like never registered at all oh. from the beginning. And I was really lucky that mine only didn't register at the finish. So when everything was updated and published online, like later that week, I checked it, and I was like, wait, the person that they announced that had the fastest sprint time actually didn't. I beat her by a couple of seconds. I should have this hat. So um, I just, like, shot a message to um, the Facebook account. I was like, hey, I noticed that I actually have the fastest time. Just wanted to let you know. I know you guys were having trouble with the... Um, results and they said, "Oh, don't worry about it. We'll mail it to you." And they were really nice about it, and they mailed it to me. And that was nice. That is awesome.
2: We, we need, we need a picture of this hat.
0: We'll I will send one along.
1: Awesome. Nice.
2: So I think, uh,
1: I think, right I think that's a good place where we sh- we can uh, we can wrap this up. Um, thank you so much, Katie, for uh, coming on the show with us. Uh, this has been a really really good talk. Yeah, yeah, I had a lot, lot of fun. Yeah. a lot of
2: fun. Yeah. A lot, a lot of fun. L- looking forward, um, looking forward to, to having you out here for the Asable. Are you, are you going to be in New York real quick for the Clinton?
0: Uh yeah, I will.
2: Okay. Um, any like can we leak any partner story there? Or is this still in the works? Jeff. <laughs> Jeff? Oh, you have for both,
0: you dog
2: good for you yeah
0: i mean it's great practice you know i gotta make sure that i can steer the boat in the clinton before i try to steer the boat in the marathon but...
2: I, I i gotta tell you we were talking about dragon boats on the Assable and the only thing that i could picture wasn't actually the Assable with a dragon boat but could you imagine portaging that thing over Goodyear year <laughs> oh Right. You
0: imagine um that little stretch after the first portage trying to get the dragon boat around those corners <laughs> oh yeah,
2: <It's laughs> yeah. swamp cut bringing it through the swamp good, good cut. luck making the swamp cut yep good luck
0: yep everyone's gonna have to get out and push
2: <laughs> yeah hey on that note i think i think that's a good one to end it on uh thank you very much guys and uh we'll talk to you later
0: Thank you for listening to the CanoeRaceWorld.com podcast, where we love marathon canoe racing and aren't afraid to say it. Be sure to visit the website at CanoeRaceWorld.com, and don't forget to support our sponsors who make this whole thing possible. Until next time, keep paddling.